coming. You know, I was like to take this opportunity to talk about myself. The man of the hour. And let me tell you something, Daddy. When you're the man, you make history every time you step foot in this ring. And that's the bottom line. Wrestling Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 69 of the Top Sweet Wrestling Podcast. Yes, indeed. We got a few things to hop into. Super Showdown. I'm going to get into that, not just the card itself. I got some things to say about that as well. The show overall and it being in the Saudi Arabia. I'm going to talk about all of that. Uh, John Moxley is the new United States champion for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Wrestling in 2019 is crazy. And we got a lot of we got a couple of more stories to get into as well. Excuse me. But first, you can find me on linktr.ee slash two sweet pie. That's the number two sweet P-O-D. That's where you can find all my listings for this podcast. My Twitter at as well. Linktr.ee slash two sweet P-O-D. So Best thing for this thing, it's back this week, and we're going to hop right on into this thing. Best thing of the week, NXT TakeOver 25. How could it be anything else? What a phenomenal show that was. Just every match hit. Man, it started off with a great match. Matt Riddle, uh, that was a phenomenal. He picked up a phenomenal win. That was a great match. And then the card just match after match after match. The latter match great. I'm going get to get into that later. Just everything about the show was phenomenal. One of the top pay-per-views of the year. Moving on to funniest thing of the week. Monday Night Raw, it was a real stressor. But... Cesaro versus Ricochet. Cesaro is facing off with Ricochet. <laughs> and he goes out to pull out a table. And there's R-Truth. He pulls out the table and R-Truth is on the table. And they just look at each other and R-Truth's face is priceless. For me, that was the funniest thing of the week. It gave me a laugh on Monday Night Raw. Something enjoyable about Monday Night Raw. So I enjoyed that very much. Moving on. Do number one spot. Looking at the number one things inside and outside of the ring. We have three topics this week. Number one match, number one spot, and number one segment of the week. The number one match comes from NXT TakeOver. Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano. I said that they couldn't top their recent match at TakeOver. And they might have topped it, their match. Had like three or four or five too many kickouts, but I loved it. Number one spot of the week. The entire ladder match from NXT TakeOver 25. I'm not going to just pick one spot. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly about killed himself in about three or four spots. A phenomenal spot fest, a phenomenal match. The Street Profits picked up a much-deserved title win. Number one segment of the week, the Firefly Funhouse. Uh, you know what? I didn't enjoy it per se, but it killed on Twitter. Like, the greater majority of people love this segment. I thought it was kind of funny to see Bray Wyatt dancing around. That was at the least funny. But number one segment of the week, the Firefly Fun House. So, we're going to hop into the to- topics, excuse me, of the week. And then we're going to hop into Super Showdown as well. John Moxley, ladies and gentlemen, made his uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling debut. And I got to say, he did a bank up job. I'm about to hop into it. Uh, first of all, he came right out through the stands, and the first thing that I noticed about him, first the theme music was A++++. I enjoyed the heck out of that theme music, a little bit over the top, but I enjoyed it. I hear him coming through the crowd was pretty special as well as it was an ode to his uh, buddy Seth and Roman. I love that as well. 
But as for the match itself, I loved it. Can I just go into a side note right quick? Juice Robinson. First of all, I love this promo. You talk about how you're not going to see a lot of arm drags. Not going to see a lot of hip lock takeovers. I love that. He said it was going to be a very physical match. But overall, Juice Robinson, I just love that guy, New Japan Pro Wrestling. It is amazing what a change of scenery will do to you. At one point, he was just a guy in NXT. And now he's this big thing. And he deserves everything that he gets. That guy's a hard worker. And I enjoy his personality so much. But moving back on to John Moxley. This was a very physical match early. Uh, I enjoyed the heck out of that. No, there's some things that don't change about New Japan Pro Wrestling. And one of the things are their tables. So, John Moxley pulls out the table and I'm like, okay. You know, New Japan has a new style of table. And right on cue, it doesn't break. And I'm like, come on, New Japan. You got to do something about these tables. So, he has to go through extra measures to break the table. But the match overall, it was very good. It has some nice near falls in it. And I got to say that John Moxley goes on to pick up the victory. I was, well, I can't say that I was surprised about it, but I wasn't sure whether or not if they would go with uh, John or Juice Robinson. This one was kind of up in the air, but I can see it because John, it was John Moxley's very first match in New Japan with Pro Wrestling. You want to put him over huge, I get it. You want your title to be even more prestigious and get even more headlines, I get it. But looking at his ring work, this was a topic of debate on Twitter. I got to say that. You know what? I didn't see that vast of a difference from WWE John Moxley and New Japan Pro Wrestling John Moxley. John Moxley was always a guy that, in specifically in WWE, he wasn't the catches catch can wrestler. He wasn't a ring general like AJ Styles. So he kind of had to be in the ring with the right people to have a great match. He was always good to put on a decent to good match. Like that was very possible with him. But he was very hit or miss in WWE, very inconsistent as far as his ring work in WWE. Uh, against Juice Robinson here, there wasn't that great of a change in his ring work, but I can see that he was highly motivated. You can just tell that he's more motivated outside of WWE. And a motivated John Moxley always put on a great match in WWE. And if he's that going forward, we will have really good matches going forward, but not that great. Not that great of a difference in his ring work, just in my opinion. That was a topic of debate. People were saying that uh, you can already tell that he's different in New Japan. And I quite, I watched the match and I was like, eh, I don't see that great of a difference that everyone else is seeing. But nonetheless, John Moxley, Juice Robinson, a phenomenal match. Even though you know the result, if you haven't watched the match, go back and watch it. It was a phenomenal match. I enjoyed the heck out of it. So, moving on here. We're going to move on to Brock Lesnar and man, like I'm watching Raw and I told you how stressed out I was about Raw. Like once again, I see my fellow podcasters like on Twitter was like, man, I can't do this. Some of them just quit all together and I was right there with them. I was like, you know what? I'm with y'all, bruh. I want to quit too. So I'm watching and I'm like, okay, just let's get Brock out here. Let's do this. Brock is going to cash in, right? So they build this thing up all night long. Seth Rollins is in the ring. And he gets into a Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin leaves him laying, if I'm not mistaken. So Brock Lesnar comes out, comes out to pick up the pieces, and he is waylaying Seth Rollins with a chair. Like Brock Lesnar has to be way more careful with his chair shots, man. Like that was some stiff chair shot. And you're just sitting there like, 
and you're thinking, okay, Brock is going to cash here, cash in here. And Paul Heyman is at ringside. They have him saying, Brock, cash in now. Cash in now. And Brock says, not now, Paul, Friday. So you mean to tell me, and Brock Lesnar leaves the ring. You mean to tell me, okay, Brock Lesnar is the heel here. There is no defending this. He has Seth Rollins laying in the ring as a heel. And he doesn't cash in for what? Like, if you wanted to do an honorable cash-in, you shouldn't have ran this segment. Like, you have him come in and you pick up the pieces, and you know what? You make Brock look like a real goof. They've made Brock look like a real goof this entire time. He didn't know that he had a year to cash in the title. To cash in for the title, excuse me. And that made him look like a goof. This made him look like a goof. You have him come out as a menacing heel. He lays some menacing uh, pain on Seth Rollins and he doesn't cash in. That makes no sense whatsoever. Who is booking this crap? Just like the GIF says, who books this crap? And like, man, I, I, I just don't get it. I, I bet Vince, Vince gets, gets it. It's just such good stuff for Vince. He loves it, probably loves it back then, but it makes no sense whatsoever for Brock Lesnar. And it makes him look like a fool to be honest. So moving on, we had quite the back and forth. We have a story about Bully Ray and we had a fan and I'll try to uh, detail this as shortly as possible and then get into my thoughts. But basically, I'll try to curtail it. Basically, a fan said he went to a Ring of Honor show. I uh, said that he got into it with the heels, but the fan kind of lobbied, lobbied it as him saying, uh, you know what? I was just doing my job as a fan. I was just getting on the heels. He got into it with the allure. I got into it with several men and women uh, at the event. Said he was pulled aside by security. And basically, he got into a bully Ray. And bully Ray essentially told him to treat the ladies with respect. And he said Bully Ray got on him. And that he let out this whole entire story to which it painted him as the victim. And he said he got into it really with Velvet Sky as well. Seems to get personal with Velvet Sky. So he painted that picture. Bully Ray came back out and said that, you know what? That was totally false. He said that he respectfully talked to the fan and told them to treat the ladies as if it was your mother at ringside. So Bully Ray's story essentially was the opposite of the fan story. But what we have here is a he said, she said situation. And in this instance, what I like to come on this podcast to do is many things. But one of them is that I like to take definitive stances. I don't like to take wishy-washy stances. But what we have here is a he said, she said situation. So I don't entirely know what's 100% true from either side. But at the end of the day, like I would think that as wrestling fans, we all know what we can and cannot do. What is overstepping the bounds? And pretty much when you overstep the bounds, anything personal is overstepping the bounds. Like you cannot get into personal relationships. And I don't know what the full story is, but as fans, we cannot get personal with wrestlers. I, I don't like it at all. 
you know, when you go at wrestling, now, if you want to say a wrestler sucks, if you want to say, if you want to chant, you can't wrestle, I'm, look, that, okay, that's cool with me, that's fine with me, that's fair game, but when you get personal with a wrestler, uh, that, that's just out of bounds in my opinion. So, looking at the story, like, I don't know which 100% true, which 100% false, but if fan got personal with the wrestlers, we got stepped out of bounds with the wrestlers, then that's on the fan. If the story turns out that the fan was just being a normal fan, didn't really get personal, then the wrestler, that's on the wrestlers. But it seems like the fan got really personal here. I'm pretty sure this isn't the end of this. We'll hear more, more going forward. So moving on to Saudi Arabia, Jeddah, the Super Showdown. We're going to get into this, but there are just a couple of things I want to get into when it, as it pertains to this oh, a event. Excuse me. Uh, one of them is that, man, I, I struggle with this because I struggled with it last year. Do I want to watch this? Because just like last year, I seen on Twitter, I know I scroll my timeline every day, and there are people just like last year are uh, saying this year, you know what, man, I'm not watching it because I, I, I don't like that they're going there, so I'm not supporting this. And I struggle with it because I feel the same way. I feel you guys. Like the women, I don't like that the women can't go. And I'm about to hop into a story, but WWE in that as well. I don't like it that the women can't go. I don't like it that Sami Zayn is being outlawed from this event. I hate that. But I kind of struggle with it because I sit here and I say that for the longest of my life, one of my favorite pastimes is sitting down and watching wrestling. Like forever. That's like 31 years of my life. I don't know how long I've been watching wrestling. 26 years, however when that, how long I've been since I was a kid. I just want to sit down and watch wrestling. And when I look at this event, I don't agree with the place that they're going, but it is wrestling. There are wrestlers that I like uh, that are going to be at this event that I like to watch. So I struggle with it. I don't necessarily think that you're wrong if you watch the event because you just love wrestling. And that's where I, I'm at as well. I think I'm going to watch the event because at the end of the day, it's wrestling is something that I love. But at the same time, I uh, I totally agree with and feel the way that some people are feeling that are not watching the event. Like, I hate it that the women are not there. They are a top draw when booked right. Uh, they, they just main line, main event at WrestleMania. They are a top draw. Um, like I, there are many other things that I don't like about it as well. So I, I'm gonna watch it, but it's, it's kind of like a conflict of emotions very much for me. Moving on to another story. Uh, there was a report that came out that said that WWE was in negotiations with Saudi officials about the women being able to appear on the show. And that they are waiting approval and that basically it was gonna be Natalia and Alexa Bliss if I'm not mistaken and all I gotta say about that is that that is just a ton of lip service like here it is Natalia and Alexa Bliss are gonna be flown in they're gonna be there but you mean to tell me that you had a whole year from being in Saudi Arabia and just now you're starting to negotiate a, a match with the ladies being on the court. Like you've been there for forever now. Like we, you even had a show there last year and like you're just now in negotiations. Like that's a bunch of crap to me. Like and that like it, 
You might as well have not just mentioned the ladies at all. Yeah, we're gonna say that. Well, we're in negotiations, and like we are about just past 24 hours out from the show. And you mean to tell me that they're still negotiating the week of the show? Like it's not gonna happen. Like if it does happen, it'll just be some lip service. And if it does happen, they'll paint it as oh, the first history. It is the first time that women have. Man, get out of here with that. I know that's how they're going to paint it. But here it is. We're a week in into the show and you're just now negotiating. Like, man, I, that just ticks me off even more than knowing that the ladies were not going to initially be on the show at all. We'll see what happens. But I'll still be ticked off about it one way or another. So looking at the event itself, 2019 Super, Super Showdown, we have some good matches, but... The, the build man how can I even get into this I personally man like I I already feel the way that I feel about them going to start a review but the build for the event itself screams house show like this is not important to us we're just going there so we're just going I'm just getting to the matches I'm not gonna waste any more time the Usos versus the revival on the kickoff show it's such a saying that this is built around embarrassing the revival because they did not sign a contract extension with WWE. We have two of the top tag teams in the world on one roster. And this is the build. The matchup itself is going to be phenomenal. Uh, the Revival are not winning this matchup. At the end of the day, the Usos will take the victory. And it is going to be a phenomenal match. It's going to be great ring work. But poor Revival. I just feel bad for those guys. Next up we have Laura Sullivan versus the Lucha House Party. And... <laughs> Why should I get interested in this match? Lars Sullivan versus the Lucha House Party, man. Like, this is the same Lucha House Party that was cheating as heels, but they're trying to book them as faces at one, one point against the revival. And now they're facing off against Lars Sullivan. Lars Sullivan's gonna win here. There's nobody that really cares about this match at all, if I'm being totally honest. And speaking of matches nobody care about, Braun Strowman. Versus Bobby Lashley, they had an arm wrestling matchup on Raw, and that was just the epitome of of boringness and futile and upsetness. I know I just made up like three words right there. I was just ticked off at Raw, and they had this arm wrestling match come on, and I just held my head down the entire time. At the end of the day, look, Bobby Lashley is not winning here. If I'm not mistaken, he led. That's how bad the segment was. I don't even remember how it ended up. If I'm not mistaken, Bobby Lashley hit him with a power slam, running power slam. Braun Strowman is going to pick up the victory here. What left it of Braun Strowman is going to pick up the victory because that guy is just not the same anymore. Just not the same Braun Strowman. When he comes out, when his music hits, I'm like, oh, man. Just get him off my screen and rebuild him up, back up. Or do something with the guy because it's so sad. The guy was close to being the top guy of the company and then just down to nothing. And speaking of Braun Strowman, the 50 man battle royal, I'm gonna predict up next. And it's crazy how Braun Strowman won this last year and it was looked at as a launching pad. And this 50 man battle royal, as meaningless, meaningless as it is, it could be served up as a launching pad. 
for somebody in a new storyline to build them up. And I thought that's what they were doing with Braun Strowman last year. And obviously that went nowhere because they would not pull the trigger on Braun Strowman. But looking at the 50 Man Battle Royal, we only have four announced names. So there's not much I can say here as far as predictions outside of give by the best prediction that I can. And at the moment, as it stands on Thursday, this could change before the show. My prediction is that AJ Styles will pick up the victory here. Uh, there are a lot of competitors. I just hope that it's a good match. Uh, it has been reported that there could be some NXT names that could appear in this matchup. That would make it a fun battle royal. I expect it to be, the Battle Royal last year was pretty fun if I remember correctly. It's just that there's no stakes on it. So, I mean, who cares? But at the end of the day, it was good action. So I expect good action here as well. Moving on, we have Triple H versus Randy Orton. And again, I just can't get into this one. Like Triple H, Randy Orton, I have no real problems with either of them, but I expect it to be a decent match. These guys, these guys obviously know each other really well. The promo that they had on Monday Night Raw, huh? we went into the jokes with Triple H, Randy Orton. Again, the cruel jokes again. Like, eh, that's how you're going to build me for the match. I could care less. But at the end of the day, as it pertains to the winner of the matchup, Triple H has no business winning here. Randy Orton is an active wrestler. Triple H is not. So Randy Orton will indeed pick up the victory here. Moving on, we have Roman Reigns versus Shane McMahon, and boy, it really, and I tweeted this out on Twitter, it really felt like Roman had new life moving on to SmackDown. Yeah, you no, know, you thought, okay, Roman is going to get into some fresh new matchups, but you have just zapped the excitement out of seeing Roman Reigns come back. The fans are really on his side, and there was a new vigor about Roman Reigns, and you stuck him with Elias and Shane McMahon, and it's back to me feeling like, uh, I'm just not interested in Roman Reigns again. Like, I was interested in the guy at one point when he came back, but now it's like he's stuck and hobbled with Shane McMahon, and I have no interest here. Roman Reigns picks up the victory here. Like, Drew McIntyre didn't beat him at WrestleMania, and Shane McMahon ain't beating him here. So, moving on, we have what I consider to be one of the most interesting matchups of the night. Finn Balor versus Andretti, the Intercontinental Championship, is on the line. I'm very interested in this match. This is one of the couple, few matches. It's probably two matches that I'm very, two or three matches that I'm very interested in. This is one of them. I expect a phenomenal match up. Finn Balor versus Andretti. This has been a decently built storyline, one of the top built storylines, in my opinion, heading into this Super Showdown build. And... Like I said, I expect a phenomenal matchup. At the end of the day, who is your winner? I'm going to go with Finn Balor to pick up the victory here. And I, look, it's going to be a phenomenal match. Andretti can look good in a loss here if they just do it right. He can have a high-profile matchup for a for what should be a high-profile championship. And Finn Balor can look good in the win. So moving on. We have the WWE Championship on the line, Kofi Kingston versus Dolph Ziggler. Uh, Dolph Ziggler shocked everybody when he came back. Like, uh, that was out of nowhere like Randy Orton. And I got to say that Dolph Ziggler's promos, for the most part, there are some things that I can nitpick about it that I don't like. 
but for the most part, I have liked them. It should have been me. I like it. Like, uh, yeah, Hill Dolph Ziggler, it should have been him. And the beatdowns that he's laid off, laid on Kofi Kingston, I've liked those as well. And it has built toward a, what should be a really good matchup there. Back and forth on SmackDown was pretty good as well. And I expect a phenomenal matchup what could be cast as a match of the night candidate when it pertains to this card. So at the end of the day, it's tough because Dolph Ziggler, it's his first match back. He should be winning. He's kind of in the Kevin Owens role. I think I mentioned this before. Kevin Owens came back and it's like, well, man, Kevin Owens' first matchup back. But he, Daniel Bryan cannot lose because it's going to be Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston at WrestleMania. That's where Dolph Ziggler is here. Kofi Kingston can't exactly lose the title here. And Dolph Ziggler can't exactly lose here. But at the end of the day, someone has to lose. And that someone is going to be Dolph Ziggler. Kofi Kingston retains the title here. So moving on. We have the Universal Championship on the line. Subfathers versus Baron Corbin. And... Baron Corbin. There are some people out there that really like him. I do not care for him whatsoever. But here it is. We have Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin. Brock Lesnar obviously like the beat down on Seth Rollins. But it's looking like Seth Rollins will indeed be ready for, and I'll put that in quotation marks, ready quotation marks for Super Showdown. And at the end of the day, we have Brock Lesnar looming here. And... As for this matchup, I think Seth Rollins picks up the victory, obviously over Baron Corbin. I don't think Brock Lesnar is going to cash in. I'm iffy about that one because he said Friday, not anyone else, no one is marketing this. Brock Lesnar himself said Friday, so you would think Friday, but I think it's going to long At the moment, as we stand here Thursday, I think it's going to be more mind game. Seth Rollins retains. And he moves on. We'll see what happens going forward. So moving on to the final matchup of the night. The Undertaker versus Bill Goldberg. Yes, I still call him Bill Goldberg. I'm just old fuddy-duddy. So <laughs> that's beside the point. Uh, we had the Undertaker cut his promo on Raw where he got cut off for that hard cut. Got the Undertaker did it. Uh, Goldberg, you're next. We cut right to the Christmas, boy. Uh, that hard cut got Taker. But Goldberg cut his promo so we had an appearance from the Undertaker. The crowd lost it. And we have The Undertaker versus Goldberg. I do not expect a great matchup here. I really thought that they should have made it a no DQ if they were going to go here. I'm talking about two very old guys that can barely move around. Maybe it's a quick matchup. That would serve these guys well. But if it's the main event, it would look pretty obvious. It's a very quick matchup. It's a first, obviously a first time matchup ever. Would have been a dream matchup in 1998. But not quite a dream match up here in 2019. It's going to be great to see those guys make their entrances and share the ring. That'll be great. But eh, a great match. Nah, I just hope it's a decent match. At best, I would take that. At the end of the day, The Undertaker will be your winner. He definitely will get the win over Goldberg. WWE guy beating a WCW guy. What else is new for Vince McMahon? So that is episode episode 69 of the two sweet podcast let me know your thoughts on saudi arabia show john moxley whether that's on twitter at two sweet pod that's the number two sweet pod or at omg Corey b or in the youtube comments at omg Corey b let me know all of your thoughts periscope is you can find me on twitter as well